Thanks for joining us for this episode. And I do want to remind you to make sure that you are following us on Apple Podcast, Spotify, or wherever you may listen to podcasts. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash at church advance. And you can actually watch video versions of each episode. We'd also really appreciate it if you could leave us a five-star review and share this content with other pastors and church leaders. We want to help as many of these folks as we can. And so we'd really appreciate you sharing this episode with your friends. Well, thanks again for joining us as we begin today's episode and continue to advance a reformation of fellowship, partnership, and gospel hope amongst Bible-believing pastors and churches. This is Church Advance with Brian Sams. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Church Advance podcast with Brian Samps. And I'm here with Luke today in the studio. And Luke, look, hey, it's uh, uh, hey, Christmas is in the air. It, it is. At the time this is going to be released, we're going to be in early December, you know, post Thanksgiving. And that Whoa. is the official time you are allowed to really get in that Christmas spirit. You've been grateful. Now it's time to be selfish and make your Christmas list. Oh, listen, listen here. Ho, 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 everybody. Uh, we just are excited about your upcoming season. And just around the corner, we're excited to welcome several of you back to the campus of River City Baptist Church for our third Church Advance Conference. Going to be exciting. Luke, you've been to uh, one out of the two. Looking to have you back at yep. this one. So, yep. uh, man, I'm excited. We got we got HB uh, Charles coming back. We got Kurt Skelly coming back. Uh, Carrie Schmidt's going to be with us. We got some great sessions for ladies for men. Uh, we're going to talk about preaching. We're going to talk about philosophy and ministry. And it's just, a, of course, a great time to be in Florida, February. Uh, and so guys, get registered. We'll have a link uh, to the registration of the conference there in the show notes. And uh, as we have been for the last few months, we have been using the first Sunday of or Sunday. I sound like a pastor. The first, yeah. the first Monday, actually, of every month to talk about uh, strategies to sharpen your sermons. And uh, man, so I am excited about sharing these little little principles with you. And today, Luke, I'm going to talk about six simple strategies to sharpen your sermon outlines, your sermon outlines. Yeah. And so I, I think this is a great uh uh, next, just naturally organic next kind of thing to talk about, because last time you talked about shepherding from the pulpit, um, a little bit more of a uh, maybe philosophical and pastoral in nature. And this seems to be a little bit more practical and, you know, maybe some actual actionable steps here. And so, yeah, yeah I'm looking forward to, to diving into these. And so um, I'll let you kind of introduce this concept and then we'll yep. we'll go into each of your points. Well, uh, almost every sermon has an outline, obviously, and that's, uh, you know, you hear you hear people talk about that was a great outline. Uh, most guys are constantly working on sermon outlines, and, and an outline is really simple. An outline, it produces the structure of the sermon. Every sermon has one, whether it's visible or invisible. In other words, every pastor that puts together a sermon is working through an outline of sorts, 
even if you're writing a research paper, you know, you got to start with the thesis and then get to an outline. So an outline is very important uh, because an outline is the structure that carries the sermon forward, brings movement, should bring action. And so I notice whenever I'm coaching college students and even other pastors that ask me, a lot of problems come up in the outlines, a lot of weaknesses. Now, again, everything I'm going to share here, I believe would be the difference between having a great outline and a good outline. There's all kinds of ways to outline. I'm just talking about these will bring your outlines to another level. So let's begin. I wrote down six. And, and, and let me say this one more thing too about this, Luke. This is a part of a bigger subject of, of sermon clarity. Um, I'm actually working on a presentation right now for a regional uh, conference with Pastor H.B. Charles that I'll be doing at the end of this month on preaching. And one of my topics is preaching with clarity. And uh, W, uh, not W. Criswell, uh, Warren Wearsby said, if there's mist in the pulpit, there's fog in the pew. And so preaching with a sense of clarity that people can follow you, that you're understandable, that you make sense is one of the biggest subjects out there. And I think your outline can do a lot for your own sermon, crystallizing it with clarity. So let me give you these six points. Number one, uh, how can you improve your sermon outlines? Number one, you can improve by thinking divisions rather than points. Okay, think divisions rather than points. All right, Luke, I'm gonna put you on the spot. How many points should be in a good sermon? Well, you know, they always say three points in a poem. Uh, right. And so, uh, you know, I, I, and it's funny, I actually remember from my homiletics days, I remember this specific aspect being taught in your, in the, the homiletics class that I took there with you about divisions over points. Um, and, you know, I've heard, you know, three is good because people think in threes. Uh, but of course, not to be locked into that. But you're the teacher here, so you know you're, well, you're the Luke, one going to tell share I the mean, wisdom. I gotta tell you, I'm incredibly disappointed that you did not have the right <laughs> answer. Uh, so the right answer is one. That's the correct mm. answer. Every sermon should have one point. Um, think of it in circles, if you will. So think of a sermon as a a, a unit, a circle. And there's one major message that you're trying to communicate. And instead of having three circles or three points, you have one circle, one point that is divided into three parts. Mm -hmm. So your outline then becomes carrying your main idea throughout your sermon, as opposed to trying to develop three different points within one sermon. And it's not just semantics. It's actually the way it should be, which leads me to the second thing. And some of these I'll slow down on, but these two are kind of tied together. Build your divisions off of your declaration sentence. Now, a declaration sentence is uh, another way to say it would be a sermon in a sentence. Every, if you want to be clear when you're preaching, every single message should be able to be clearly distilled into one thought. Um, one thing I like to do you, back in the day when I was preaching a lot of camps or, or children are in the audience or whatever is a lot of times at camp, kids would leave, leave their um, notebooks sitting behind, you know, they take notes and I always enjoy going through and grabbing notebooks from kids and looking to see what they wrote down 
Hmm. for my preaching. Because a lot of times if a teenager or a child cannot crystallize what you're saying into a note, uh, you're probably not being clear enough. Mm. And so one thing I'm trying to do is I'm trying, I wish I want everybody to walk out of my sermon. And if they were to ask you, what was that sermon about? They could say, man, it was about this boom, real, real quick. So once you develop this sermon in a sentence, this main idea, then you're asking your, this question, what does this text say about that theme? Okay, theme is, what does this text say? Divisions are, what does this text say about that theme? So I'm building out my divisions off of the main idea. So they're related one to another. And if you can see that and make that connection, it's going to make your, your outline a lot clearer than if you just are trying to build an outline based upon walking. You know, here, here let me say it like this. Do not walk into a text when you are preaching and try to outline it first. Because if you try to outline it first, you're going to miss, I think, the broader point. Get the main idea first and then build your outline off of that. Okay. Go ahead. Oh, I just I just have a thought and a question here. Um, now that I'm I'm so humiliated that I didn't uh, know the answer to that question. <laughs> uh, no, but uh, seriously, you know, as I think through this, um, you know, I, and, and we don't need to go off on this, but I can't help but wonder that your, um, you know, obviously, and I think you've said this in the introduction of this series, uh, most uh, guys out there are pretty set on preaching expository. Uh, expository right. preaching, uh, and many of them are set on um, going as 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 strict to that, if you will, as maybe preaching book by book, um, and and that. So I can't help but wonder if that ties in greatly with what you're saying here about you know you coming into a text and you're kind of figuring out what that one point is because especially with topical preaching, you're obviously you're just going in saying okay. I got this idea. What can I do to have kind of the text feed that, you know, and not mm -hmm. to say, right. like you've said, it's not always a totally bad thing. Um, but anyways, I, I don't know if I'm articulating the question well or, 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 or the thought there, but it really seems to me that this goes hand in hand with, you have to have that expository base as your approach. If this is really going to work. Absolutely. Uh, expos expository preaching as, as some have said, is not a sermon style. It is a sermon philosophy. So mm. essentially you are drawing out of the text what the text says so that you can communicate to the audience the timeless truths in the text that God was trying to communicate. So I think it was John Broadus, the old, the old sermon uh, teacher, uh, homiletics teacher from Southern Seminary said, the telos of the passage is the Holy Spirit's intended purpose for the passage. And that's what we're trying to communicate. So then our job, is to discern that major idea, build our entire sermon off of that idea, and make everything that we say in the sermon related to that idea. And that's how, that's where the outline comes into play. The outline is helping you carry that idea through the text. So once I know philosophically and basically what the text is talking about, then I'm going to go back to the text and see how it's structured to help me walk through the main idea from the text, which leads me really to number, number three, the rest of these, the rest of these are more practical. I think the third thing is this, if you want your sermon outline to be clearer, uh, uh, tie your divisions together with a key word 
in your transition sentence. Okay, now let me let me let me kind of back out of that because that might be loaded. Every sermon has a trans. I've never, I don't know that I've ever heard a sermon that did not have a transition sentence of some kind. Today we're going to look at three principles from you know this. A lot of times you hear somebody say we want to see three things. Well, mm-hmm. well, things things is a weak way to say it. And you, but a better way to say it that keeps you true to clear communication is um, something like this. Like, let me, I'm going to pull an outline that, that I have coming up for this coming Sunday on the rapture. And I just sent this off to the, uh, to my team for production for Sunday. But, uh, but my, my sermon is the church's blessed hope on the rapture. And um, uh, the, the transition sentence is this. Today, we're going to look at three ways in which the church can be blessed by the rapture. Three ways. So the key word there is ways, right? So if I'm true to what I'm saying, if I'm trying to make sense, clarity, then my three divisions are going to be ways, ways in which the rapture can be a blessing to the believer. Number one, it can be a bless, blessing when I accept the promise of the rapture. I accept the promise. Number two, when I embrace the comfort of the rapture. And number three, when I heed the warning of the rapture. Now, what that does is that ties the whole sermon together. The sermon is about the church's blessed hope. What impact does the rapture have on the church of Jesus Christ today? Well, it has an impact when we view it from these three ways. And then I, and then, and then I, then I build it out. And again, those points are all in the text. They're all shaped by the passage but they are tied together with the main idea. It doesn't, it doesn't, it's not just this, the promise of the rapture, the comfort of the rapture, the warning of the rapture. Those are phrases, not sentences tied to the main idea. So I got ahead of myself a little bit there, but this is really important. Okay. So where was I? I was, I was at number three, tie your divisions together with a key word. uh, And then, then make sure that your divisions line up with that key word. Otherwise you don't make sense. Like I've heard, you know, a guy preached sermon on the effects of sin. You know, today we want to see three deadly effects of sin, you know, in your life. Number one, the source of sin. Well, that's not, that's not an effect, right? Mm-hmm. That, that doesn't make any sense yeah. to say that, but so many sermons are built like that. They have this little phrase, you know, that the, the outline is phrases. And oftentimes it's, you know, the classic S's, you know, yeah. uh, the, you know, the S sermons. Well, I don't know if you were there at, at, at chapel. Uh, were you there in that chapel when that happened? Uh, I, um, you would know it. I don't, yeah, I don't the answer, know. I don't, I don't <laughs> the think answer, so. The answer is probably yes, because it happened all the time. But, you know, I used to talk about how that, you know, guys will just put together these outlines and they're always using the letter S as an alliteration point. Yeah. And it's always the same, you know, uh, like, like standards, soul winning, separation, yeah. you know, uh, slacks. The savior. The savior, yeah. Nice. It's just, uh, so I, I, t- I was saying about how weak that is. Like, don't go looking for S's. Don't, don't just be looking for that and certainly don't impose it on the passage. Well, like two days later, this dude preached in chapel and it was, uh, it was I think it was, I think the title was Hold the Rope. And it was mm-hmm. some something about some rope that Jeremiah somebody held on to Jeremiah with a rope or something, and you know we need to hold the rope. And then he went. Then his points were that's I'm not telling you, man. It was exactly 
We need to hold the stand. We need to hold the standards. We need to hold the separation, hold the soul winning. And, and I'm, I'm sitting on the platform there and, and like my students are just like glaring at me like, Oh my word, this happened. Yeah. It's just weak, man. It's just not what we're trying to do here. Yeah. I, I do remember that about chapel was, I mean, you and Dr. John Getch were both very emphatic on expository preaching and whatever, because what you're saying goes back to the fact that that was very likely a topical message. Oh, absolutely. And, absolutely. and it was funny because, you know, they would try to bring in different pastors from across the country to, you know, get you exposed to these different pastors and whatever. And I, I get what they're doing, but at the same time, they would bring in guys that were not trained that way. And right. so, I, I mean, I kid you not three, if not, four out of five sermons from the guest speakers were always incredibly topical in nature <laughs> and just like you described. And so I think, I think you had to stand up many times in homiletics class and say, guys, do not critique the preachers that come. That's not what this is about. Just right. They don't preach that way. <laughs> right. And it was right. But uh, yeah, I, I, there's and, so and many at, sermons we, like that. We did. I mean, we did try to have that spirit there at the same time. We're trying to teach what's right. And it was sometimes hard. I mean, I remember one time, literally a dude did not open his Bible. He did not open his Bible. And I was so furious. Mm. And I went, I went to administrative meeting. Uh, it was like two, two hours after chapel. And I said, guys, I just, I mean, I'm serious. I got a question. Why in the world do we have chapel if somebody doesn't open a Bible? Yeah. Like yeah. I was just so furious. Um, uh, and, 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 you know, uh, it, I mean, I, I, honestly, you could open up the sword of the Lord newspaper and see <laughs> The same S outline, and it's published yeah. like it, like it's original. Like, like this was, this was the greatest idea ever that somebody found the S's. Uh, it's yeah. just bad. It's just bad news, man. It's I remember, I remember. Another, we got to stop chasing these rabbits and get on. Them, but I do remember <laughs> another sermon. I just have to say, I don't know if you remember this one. Maybe it's this one that you're referring to. A guy who, honestly, if I were to say his name, people would know who he is. Um, they he he would preach in that in chapel often. And he opened up with like a, you know, what they call a springboard passage. He read one little verse. Then he read a newspaper article. And I kid you not, drew his his points from the newspaper article. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. That was, um, you know, so. Again, and, and, you know, just, you know, what's funny about that is there's all this criticism right now of all these modern churches using using the movies. You know, I don't know if you've seen this. This is a oh, huge yeah, yeah. thing right now. Yeah, at you the know, movies, yeah. Mm -hmm. At the movies. I mean, it's been heavily criticized right now. And I'm like, what, what's different? What's different with that and just not using your Bible at all? I mean, if you're not going to use the Bible, does it really matter where your source is? Now, mm -hmm. I know that's all, that's all expository philosophy stuff. But, but back to the point here, uh, if you will build your outline that way, you're going to avoid that altogether. I mean, you know, honestly, if, if your outline sh should be answering the question, what does this text say about that subject? Then if you're building an outline and your text doesn't say anything about that, then obviously you're, you're, you're on the wrong trail. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. This is all helping you uh, provide clarity in your preaching. Now, the last three. So number one, think divisions rather than points because there's only one point to a sermon. Number two, build your divisions off of your declaration sentence. Number three, tie your divisions together with a keyword in your transitions. And then these next three are super practical, okay? Number four, make your divisions complete sentences, mm. complete sentences. And I just gave you an example of that. Don't use phrases, use sentences. And often there'll be imperative sentences, sometimes others, but um, we, we don't talk in phrases. I don't walk around speaking in phrases. I talk in sentences. And so 
building a sermon on sentences makes it stronger and clearer, which leads me to number five, make your divisions application oriented. Okay. The most fundamental difference between teaching and preaching is application. Give the audience something to hang their hat on. Give them a reason to need to listen to this. Um, tell them something they need to hear. Okay. For instance, you should never use the words Paul or Timothy or the church at Ephesus in your sermon outlines. Yeah. Okay. That is a teaching outline. That's not a preaching outline. Mm. And to be effective in preaching, you're going to have to turn that and make it application oriented and make it a complete sentence. And then I'm going to give you this as a bonus. This number six is a bonus because this is like taking your sermon from a B plus to an A plus, And that is make your sentences parallel in structure. Um, and I just gave you an example with that sermon on the rapture. Uh, it's, it's parallel. It's a verb. Definite article, noun, prepositional phrase, okay? Accept, embrace, heed. Those are verbs. Definite article, the, every time. Noun, promise, comfort, warning. Prepositional phrase, of the rapture. You see how it's hmm. parallel, Luke? See, yeah. the, the, the thing there is it makes it memorable. It makes it manageable mm -hmm. for both speaker and listener. And yeah. man, look, I'm not even talking about, there's, there's other things you can do. You can add things like alliteration or assonance, ways that the word, that the sentence sounds the same or starts with similar letters. Those things are like icing on the cake, but parallel structure, I think is critical to clear communication with, with the divisions of your sermon. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, we've, we've ragged on alliteration a little bit here, but in all seriousness, I, I do think that. Um, it just, it doesn't matter if it's preaching or any form of communication. If you're trying to communicate these different divisions, uh, different thoughts for people to walk away with, um, like you said, that they can hang their hat on to me, uh, in my experience as a listener, when the parallel structure is something that is emphasized or, or prioritized over even alliteration, for me, that's more memorable. I think a lot of people think that alliteration is going to be memorable because, well, everybody can remember the, the, the words that start with S or B or, or whatever, and maybe sometimes. But, um, you know, I, I don't know. For me, like I said, the parallel structure is always something that sticks with me more um, what, rather than um, something that, um, you know, I, I guess is, oh, I don't know what I'm trying to say. I lost train of thought there, but, but with that, with that, um, that alliteration, well, you know what I'm saying? A, I think, all right, here's, here's the problem. Number one, oftentimes alliteration is stretched. So the uh -huh. alliterated words might be one's a verb, one's an adverb, one's an adjective, and it's just confusing. Uh, or sometimes they use words that don't really fit, that they, they, they checked a thesaurus and got like five words removed from the word they were looking for. But I'll tell you that a pinnacle is when you have parallel structure and good alliteration at the same time, uh, that can be memorable. For instance, for instance, I mean, guys, you know, people, people rag alliteration all the time, but alliteration is a legit rhetorical device. Um, for instance, think of, think of the, I have a dream speech, Martin Luther King. I have a dream that one day my kids will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. That mm -hmm. is parallel. It's parallel and it's alliterated. Yep. And it's, I mean, I just pulled it right out of thin air, right? Yep. It's just a memorable statement. Uh, and so if you could put it all together, A plus, 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 
but do not stretch alliteration for sake of clarity because that's not as important as giving them parallel structure. By the way, parallel structure, when I said it helps you and your audience, the speaker and the audience, it helps the speaker remember where he's going. Uh, it helps him to kind of keep on track in flow, but it also is good for the audience, as you mentioned. And mm -hmm. I think both things, both things uh, uh, are, are powerful, but parallel structure can be beneficial for both parties. And I think that's important. I think that's important to remember. So. Yeah. Well, um, again, I think, again, this is a lot more of a practical, you know, uh, kind of, uh, uh, episode in this series of what you can actually do and make it actionable. Um, and you know, I think again, some, some really great takeaways here, obviously that there is one point, you know, there, there's multiple divisions, but there's one point, one great thought you're trying to communicate, you know, and these are divisions, uh, that uh, more or less kind of complete that point, complete that thought. Um, and then to use those keywords in your transition, keep them as complete sentence, application oriented, and then parallel and structure. And then, like you said, after that, if you want to do the alliteration or, you know, the rhyming or whatever it is yep. to help it right. be more memorable, great. But, you know, kind of making these your priorities first uh, yeah, will man. lead to a more solid outline. I guarantee you, your preaching will improve if you sharpen your outlines like this. So, man. Uh, I love talking about preaching. I could do it all day long, uh, but I think our time is right about where we want to be today. So guys, God bless you. Thank you for listening today. We look forward, of course, to every episode of the Church Fans Podcast, but especially as we continue into 2024, uh, improving our sermons along the way. You guys have a fantastic rest of your day. Thanks again for joining us for this episode, and we really would appreciate it if you could leave us that five-star review, and then of course share this content with your friends. We wanna help as many pastors and church leaders as we can, and be sure to of course follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you may listen to podcasts, and go ahead and subscribe to the Church Advance YouTube channel at youtube.com slash at church advance. This podcast is hosted by Brian Sams. It is co-hosted and produced by myself, Luke Clayton, and the team at mustincrease.com. If you want to connect with Brian, be sure to head over to his website at briansams.com. Well, we really look forward to seeing you again in the next episode as we continue to advance a reformation of fellowship, partnership, and gospel hope amongst Bible-believing pastors and churches right here on Church Advance with Brian Sams. Mm -hmm.